Welcome, welcome, welcome. Slightly sophisticated with your host, Kyle Ramos. Full disclosure, the levels of sophistication may vary. Please go follow us on Facebook at Slightly Sophisticated, on Instagram, Slightly.Sophisticated, and follow me on Twitter at the Kyle Ramos. That's the K-Y-L-E-R-A-M-O-S on Twitter. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel or podcast, whatever you're listening or watching on. Like it, share it, tell your friends about it. We really appreciate it. It helps us grow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's slightly sophisticated right here. You can see it right here somewhere. There you go. All right, thank you. In today's show, we're going to have Austin Fletcher, better known as Fleckus from Fleckus Talks. We'll be discussing Uneducated Left, the anti-establishment takeover of both parties, the tolerant conservatives, yes, tolerant conservatives, the dumbest congressman in the U.S. Congress, it's not Andrew Ocasio-Cortez, and a little bit about the border wall and security and immigration. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you. I suppose some of us are slightly sophisticated. Just listen. Thank you for having me. The beard is gnarly. Thank you for making this work somehow. Well, yeah, it's getting a lot of control, but whatever. Um, real quick, just give us a Cliff Notes version of how you got started and how you, how you just fell into this. Definitely. Uh, so almost two years ago, it'll be two years in February, um, there, obviously the election happened, and I felt like the country kind of got divided, especially among my friend group. Uh, I live in Los Angeles, so pretty much all my friends were left-leaning, but they were left-leaning by default. Like, they didn't really follow politics. They, didn't, they weren't up on the issues. They didn't know the players in the game. They just kind of, like, assumed they were liberal because everyone was like, well, you know, I'm not an old, rich, white guy, so I'm liberal. So they all would go to protests every weekend and were getting really mad at the election results, but every time I'd ask them questions in person, they really didn't have the ability to defend their positions. So I kind of knew there was something off there. And then I would see the local news reporting on the protests, and they would say, oh, protesters are mad at Trump again, as if like, you know, Trump was wrong and they were right. So they were giving him credibility just because there was a lot of people all shouting at once. So I kind of knew there was something there, and I just randomly went to the airport. I taped the microphone to, my, uh, to a spoon, <laughs> went to the airport, and just started asking some people some questions. The infamous and the first spoon. video went kind of viral. So I was like, okay, like there's something here. And I realized at that moment that the right content-wise is completely underserved. There's not enough media, entertainment, news. Everyone's left-leaning, Netflix, Hulu, everything. So it's like once there was some content that, got, that I produced for the right, like got re uh, people really liked it and right away were into it. So I kind of found my calling in a way. And I kind of found my thing when it comes to like comedy, but also like spreading a message and also doing like some better, bigger good. You know, the, what I like about your content is you really don't do much. You let them just go off on tangents of complete nonsense that are, like, incoherent. And that's basically what it is, right? Yeah, it, it is. And my, my channel is called Fleckus Talks, but I always make a joke that it should be called Fleckus Listens because I don't even really say that much. 
Like my questions are super easy. I'm like, you know, what are you doing here? What does your sign say? Why are you against Trump? And they just kind of go off. And I think because I have a beard and I wear like weird outfits and I kind of like, you know, I have the spoon microphone. They don't really see me as a threat. So they open up to me a little bit. And I think that's what makes for some really good content and some like really funny, funny moments. I've had a lot of people say a lot of crazy things. So something, something's working uh, when it comes to me getting like the reactions out of them. Yeah, for sure. Now, what is the number one like common theme out you would say that you see? Like what like what is the theme on all these different because you go to gay rallies, you go to, you know, Antifa, every different kind of rally they have, women's matters, all that stuff. But what's the common theme? I think the common theme is these people aren't necessarily bad people. I think their hearts in the right place. They've just been kind of misinformed on certain issues. So 100%. Like, they, 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 they want to, you know, they think maybe there's, like, a Nazi problem in the U.S. and there's all these white supremacists. Like, there's not. Like, if there were, it would be honorable what they're doing. And don't get me wrong, I think Trump's America would be right alongside them if there was a Nazi problem in the U.S. But I think they just kind of been misinformed a little bit. And I think through education, especially in colleges, they've kind of grown this disdain and resentment for America and its history. So they're kind of out there. They're not proud to be American. They think there's a huge problem. So like the overall theme with all of them is they have like a, a hole in their heart almost of something that's bigger than themselves they want to apply their lives to. And instead of it being religion or working within the community, they've kind of made it social justice that like they focus on. And that's like the thing that they need to go attack and fight. But the problem is like social justice is great sometimes if you do it the right way. But the way it's done, especially out here in L.A., it's, you know, so, you know, social justice against Trump. Oh, he's a racist, Nazi, homophobe, xenophobe. And when you kind of like overuse the labels like that, it kind of waters them down. So they're fighting this fight that doesn't actually exist. And they're fighting these ghosts that they wish existed. Um, but realistically, they're just kind of like disenfranchised people who don't have anything bigger than themselves to work towards or fight against. So they kind of like created their own monster. Well, I, I think you're right. And I think that if you look at what um, Andrew, Co Andrea, what is her, uh, Co whatever her name is, you know what I'm talking about. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, her. <laughs> she, she says the dumbest things. But anyways, she should have been on Bill Cosby's show. And uh, so she said the other day in the 60 Minutes interview, morality is what matters. Facts don't matter. And I think that's like the overlying thing, like the social justice warriors they think because they're fighting and they're they're doing it for a good reason that nothing else matters. So when you like, yeah. I have friends the same way, and they like all they do is they use like things that they hear in the left wing media, you know, and they use these like these misleading headlines. And I'm like, did you actually read the article? Like they don't even read the article, so they they're yeah. so misguided that they don't know the facts at all. But they think because they they're doing it because they they're trying to be nice, good people, which is okay, I guess, you know, but you have to actually know what you're talking about and they don't. And I think that's one of the biggest problems. Yeah. And it all, it's like a, it's a cycle because the media feeds into it, but the media um, portrays the issues and portrays Trump in a certain way that's geared to these people, like you mentioned, that are kind of just like grazing headlines. Like the other day I, I, I read a New York post article and the headline says, um, Elizabeth Warren defends her DNA test. So if you were just scanning, you would see that and think, oh yeah, like she was right, Trump was wrong, she is Native American. But then you click on the article and the full headline is, Elizabeth Warren defends her DNA test, 
quote, I am not a person of color. So it's like if you were just scanning the headlines, you'd think, oh, defense DNA test. That means that whole fight with her and Trump, she won, and then they just keep scrolling. So it's like everything is geared to these people who are like 60% informed, pretty much misled, left in the dark. And it's like this kind of vicious world where the news is manipulating these people who want to do good, whose heart's in the right place, and kind of just steering them in this direction that's like kind of disingenuous. But the good news is I think that group of people is getting smaller because like the progressive uh, the progressive culture and the progressive agenda, the further left and the further progressive it goes, the less people can be involved just because it'll eat itself eventually. We saw it with Kevin Hart. I was just about to say that. Ellen now. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind yeah. of a, uh, evidence there that the left is going to start eating itself in a faster rate in the next few years. Oh, it's going to happen this election cycle. It's going to start right now with the with the with all these people coming out as the candidate for the Democrats. I mean, it's going to be a race to the left and they're going to devour each other. It's going to be interesting. Now, yeah. let me ask you this. Those places get violent, particularly Antifa. Have everybody, anybody ever got violent towards you? Uh, I've not had anyone get violent towards me yet. Um, yeah, I've had people get in my face. I've had people shove me. I've had people grab my camera. I've never been struck. I'm like a bigger guy, too, so I guess it's like not high on their list of things to do. Um, but I have not, and I don't really... Whenever there's a situation, I feel like their energy's up here, and I, my energy's down here. So it's like if I was here, it would kind of boil over. But since I'm lower, and like you know, they want to shout, they want to scream, and I want to be calm. So like that kind of forces them to come down and have a conversation, which is not what they're usually prepared to do in these group situations. Usually, they want to be in the group and shout and do the chants and yell and all that stuff. But when you kind of you know pull them off one by one and say like, oh, like what are you doing here? it kind of lowers their energy. But my number one goal is always, when situations like that come up, is always de-escalate. The last thing I want to do is fight. But if you hit me, I'll defend myself pretty well. Yeah, well, That's I mean, I think, I, I think you do a good job too because I don't think that a lot of these people in these rallies know who you are. Like, the organizers definitely probably know who you are by now. But most of the people, because they're so uninformed, they probably don't know who you are. And you fit in, basically, with the way you dress and act, and your, you know, your spoon mic. And I think that they just don't know, and they think that you're on their side, so they're willing to talk to you and yeah. tell you whatever. Yeah, and by the end, I, like most interviews at the end, they're just like, thanks, that was awesome. Like, I appreciate you interviewing me. And I'm like, no problem. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Like, yeah. no, sure. Like, yeah. But, I mean, that, that's kind of interesting, too, because it's like people think, oh, like there's selective editing, or you must interview a bunch of people and only use the crazy ones. It's like I'm getting sincere interviews from these people, and most of them at the end shake my hand and say, thank you, it was great talking to you, and like, they're comfortable with like, their sound bites. They're not like, uh, like, I don't like what I said, can you, like, can you not use it? They're always like, oh, like, thanks, man, it was good talking to you, and like, you know, see you at the next one. So you know, it's not that their messaging is being manipulated or I'm like, you know, editing certain things out. It's just two very different worldviews. So like, I can show their worldview, how they describe it, with their own words to us on our side, even though I don't like to use sides, but like, you know, to us on our side and we're just like, you know, it's comedy to us. So it kind of shows the two different worldviews. And I think it's a fight. It's like a culture fight that needs to happen because I think right now how it's working out, is kind of like populist left versus populist, right? It's the MAGA movement against the Bernie movement. Like those are kind of like the two forces I'm seeing. Yeah, so they're both establishment, but that's kind of like, we need to beat. We need to beat the idea of socialism before 2020. Is how I kind of see it. 
I agree. And, you know, the funny thing is, <clears throat> bringing that up, I think that most – we both of those sides, the anti-establishment people, because I think that politicians in general, I mean, with the slim few exceptions are, are just scumbags, to be honest. But – the and I think that the Bernie people are also anti-establishment, like the socialist pe- – the ideas that we have and the, the goals are – a lot of similar goals it's just the means to get there and so instead of fighting you know you're you know using all these like you're a racist fascist nazi which is you know goes nowhere and isn't true is not it's not helpful it'd be helpful to just sit down and be like how can we actually change things because things do need to be changed Mm -hmm. and that's the that's the big difference i think with like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for as much as people don't like her and as crazy as the things she says, she's still an anti-establishment person in a historically blue seat. So she didn't flip a seat. She's in a blue seat, blue seat stayed blue, and now she's an anti-establishment. It's kind of like a wrench in their system, just screwing things up. And the media loves her right now, but the media is in bed with the establishment, and there's going to come a day where the media is going to turn on her because they're going to have to because she, if she does stay true to her word, is anti-establishment. Like, us in the anti-establishment left, we probably don't agree on, like, taxes and, like, social programs and stuff, but we do agree probably on, like, less war. We um, agree, we should agree on freedom of speech, um, you know, hopefully. I don't know what the, eh, maybe not so much, but it should be, I think, a classical liberal value. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are a few other things where it's like, you know, yeah, you know, we shouldn't be in all these wars. We shouldn't maybe bail out Wall Street. There's a couple of things that we could line up with with these anti-establishment people. Well, the one the one problem I have with these anti-establishment people who are politicians, I want to give them at least a term and see what happens. Because she's anti-establishment now, but True. will will her her moral fortitude stand up to the pressure? Because there's going to be a lot of pressure from the Democrat establishment for her to fall in line. And I think you saw that when she was like, oh, you know, Congress shouldn't be getting paid during the shutdown. And they're like, well, are you going to collect your paycheck? And she she didn't say no. Yeah. You yeah, know, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's a really good point. So yeah, it, we kind of see what she ends up Talk is cheap. With. Yeah. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. You know, and yeah. I agree with some of the things she says. And when she, when I agree with the things she says, which are never policy issues, it's almost always like a moral stance on, you know, like, hey, we shouldn't be getting paid if they're not getting paid or, you know, things like that. Um, I, I agree with her because it, it doesn't it, just because I don't like her policies doesn't mean that you have to bash everything that she does. And I think that's a problem that some people on the right do. Like, I will. I'll come after somebody when it's necessary, when they do something that's or say something that's stupid. But if they're doing something that's not stupid, it's just because you don't like them, you shouldn't bash them on every point because you're never going to find a middle ground that way. If you you know what I'm saying? If if yeah. If you're always bashing somebody no matter what they say, you'll never find a middle ground with anybody because it's just like, well, it just becomes us versus them, which I don't think it should be. It should be ideas that are being talked about and discussed. And that's kind of what happened with Trump in 2016. Every single thing he did, they attacked the the way he did it or the rhetoric used. And basically, the people who support him doubled down. The people who are against him doubled down. Then you have two sides just facing off like this. And we makes us like Trump more. So I think that's what's happening with her. The more we talk about her, the more we say she's stupid, this and that, the more her base gets behind her because they see her being attacked by us. 
and then she becomes the main fighter for them, and then people like her more, even though she says stupid stuff. It's kind of interesting that the 2016 is almost reflected in the 2018 election with her. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting what happens in 2020. Um, I, I mean, the attacks on Trump are going to be vicious, but it's it's crazy because they're attacking him on on just like a moral outrage that he's a bad person with no evidence to support it whatsoever. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I don't know if it's going to work for them. I don't know if it's going to work. Like you can call somebody a Nazi and a racist only so much before people are like, well, man, if this is a race, I mean, what is, you know, like what is, yeah. what's considered a racist? If this guy's racist, like that's, I mean, Charlie Kirk says it best. He says, when you call somebody like him a Nazi and a racist, you cheapen it. And it's true because, I mean, if, if Trump's a racist, Jesus, there's a lot of racist people in this country. I, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. 150 exactly. million or so. You know what I mean? It's crazy. You know, I, and I don't yeah. know. I don't know where it goes from there. Exactly. Then you start calling him a racist. Then oh, he's a Nazi. And then it's like people who actually have fringe views, which is actually a really small number. I think it's so exaggerated by the media. But the way, if you, if you were watching the news from a different planet and you came here and you were watching the news, you'd think that like we're in the middle of a civil war and like there's these racist, crazy people out there and it's just like these two groups fighting at, um, at each other's necks. But realistically, it's like we're both, you know, us and the left, we're all closer to the middle than the media wants us to realize. And their biggest goal is to have us think that we're on two different sides and we're 100%. completely different people. And the tech kind of helps them with that by creating these echo chambers online and we don't really engage the other side like we used to. We, we think we are on Twitter and Instagram, but we're really not. We're just kind of in our own echo chambers and there and theirs. So oh, it's yeah, like yeah. the media is, and tech censoring, it's like all coming together to like to make this like establishment media that keeps us super divided. And realistically, they're, they're manufacturing these issues, men versus women, black versus white, cop versus civilian. And they well, do that to kind of keep the attention off of themselves. Because like, realistically, if we didn't have these social issues and we were paying attention, we would realize that the real issue is like the corporate and establishment elites. It's like the 1% of the 1% who are manipulating people and a lot of times side with the Democrats and the ones who are actually like creating the problems of society. They're just like manufacturing this, these isms just to kind of keep us off their trail, it seems like. I, I agree with you, but I think that they're making a, a, a disastrous move here when they're doing that, because just like you said, the echo chamber, the echo chamber that they live in that says that this is good and this is working is in L.A., is in California, and is in New York. And so all their friends are like, yeah, 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 you're right. And everybody there is like agreeing with them. But middle America doesn't agree with them. So I think that they're they're taking their 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 notes from the wrong people. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. you're right. They're using this echo chamber, and they think they're doing the right thing by promoting this stuff with all the tech and promoting this through the media. That And this is what people want to hear, but it is what the people want to hear that are around them. But I don't know if it's necessarily around the country. That's true. Like, they kind of look around, and they're like, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But it's like, you guys are in Los Angeles and New York. Yeah. Like, that's why everyone agrees. Like, if you go to Wisconsin, if you go to Pennsylvania, if you go to Louisiana, so just different types of people. And that's why I think we're seeing them try to push to get rid of the Electoral College because they just want New York and L.A. to win elections going forward. Uh, yeah, man, that's what will happen. You know, the Northeast and the, and the West Coast, and that'll be it. And then, <laughs> I mean, just that'll be it. There'll be no other way about it. No, I mean, yeah. they, 
and all they would do is focus on them and focus all their attention on what they want and it'll be even more radical and then and then that'll be it there nobody else they won't even need the votes from anywhere in the middle of the country yeah exactly so. basically if you if you got rid of electoral college i think la alone would basically cancel out like 20 states votes it would just you know that would be it it would just yeah. be mo like you know population rule mob rule in a way that's what one percent that's what the electoral college is for people don't realize that it's so smaller states don't get ignored is why the electoral college was put in place but uh, <clears throat> it's funny i think that what you're saying is right about how they're acting and i think that event that in this election cycle coming in 2020 i think like like wisconsin and michigan and ohio and pennsylvania again and you know all these smaller states in the midwest missouri they're gonna be like man our lives are better you know our lives are better the things trade deals have gotten done um i saw a thing on the internet i don't know if it's true that that china's buying rice from the u.s if that's true i mean that's i mean <laughs> i mean yeah, you get the chinese good. people to buy rice from the US. i mean come on <laughs> You know what I mean? North Korea is, is hasn't done anything stupid. He's pulling troops back out of out of the Middle East. I, I mean, the economy's doing good. I mean, right now it's not has been so hot, but the jobs numbers, unemployment. I mean, what what is it that what are they gonna say? Like, what is their message gonna be that he's just a mean guy? Well, how is he mean? They're gonna say, well, what has he exactly. done to me that's mean? Like, I don't see it. And yeah, eventually they're gonna wake up. It's gonna be rhetoric, yeah. So let me ask you this. What do you think from what you see? Do you see a change in these rallies? Because I I mean, this has been a couple years for you now. Have you seen a change? Is it is it changing or they're they uh, still doing the same things? It's changing a little bit. In the beginning, the energy was really high from these uh, from these protests and these marches. And there's a ton of people and that number's gone down. It's changing. But whenever there's a big issue like Kavanaugh or you know, the, the, the kids in cages, you know, things on the crisis on the border, the caravan and stuff. Mm -hmm. There is still a, a, an engaged group of people that want to go out and protest. Um, but I think those, those numbers are dwindling a little bit. And I think we're starting to have people kind of carry over, like the old Bernie group people. I, I know a lot of people who are former Bernie supporters who kind of came over. So I think it's just a matter of, it's like when I, when I do these protests and I go talk to the protesters, my goal isn't usually to get the protesters to come onto our side and realize where they're wrong. My goal is to show both sides and have a rational person who maybe hasn't made up their mind about politics yet watch and say, you know, I don't know what I am politically, but I'm definitely not those crazy protesters. Because once yeah, you do yeah. that, you kind of get a, the, if once you leave the mob or acknowledge the mob's not for you, the mob is going to like cut you out. And if you're not progressive enough to be with it, you're against it. So I think the more we can do that, the more we can wake up people and like these rational people from the middle who kind of got abandoned by the Democratic Party are going to start waking up and realizing that the new conservative movement's kind of where it's at. So I think that's going to be like the consistent thing. It's like as these numbers start dwindling and the energy goes down on these protests and public outrage events, it's just a matter of how many people we can scoop up and give them an alternative culture, alternative community to get involved in that they kind of feel at home with. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I think that it has to become less of a conservative party, you know, and more of a conservatarian, you know, much more socially mm, yeah. liberal, fiscally conservative, um, 
and still strong on national security. And I think that's going to get some of these people that are coming over, like you said, that are being abandoned. Because like we talked about earlier, the left is starting to eat itself. You know, you saw with Kevin Hart, with anybody. It doesn't matter. Like you, those preference points you got for being a woman or gay or a minority are out the window the moment that you don't fall in line. Right. So mm -hmm. I think now that what's going to happen is, is that once these people start seeing this, they're like, man, I could be next. You know? Yeah. And they're going to start leaving because they're like, man, I could be next. It could be me next. What What's going to happen if it's me next? You know, Kevin Harkin withstand it because he's a multimillionaire, probably almost a billionaire by now. You know, famous star. But and Ellen, the same thing. But what happens if it's me? All my friends are going to leave me because I'm, you know, this bad person and they're going to start leaving. And then I think once it starts to go, it's going to be like dominoes, you know? And I think with what Turning Point did with the Blexit thing, you saw the same thing. You know, they made it acceptable for, for blacks to come out as, you know, conservatives and Trump supporters. And every day now I see more and more people on the Internet that are black or, or you know, whatever, coming out and saying, oh, hey, I'm a conservative. You know, I support Trump. Yeah, I think that's actually, yeah, that's a good point. I think that's kind of what we're going to be seeing in the next few years, especially. Basically, it's just going to be people getting abandoned by the left, but they still want to be involved in whether, you know, comedy is probably the best example. So it's like if they're not able to perform on campuses, they're not able to perform on Netflix because it's something they said or something they tweeted, but they still want to perform, like the only side that's going to take them in is going to be our side. And it's not because we agree with them politically. It's just because it was like we believe in free speech and we believe your jokes, if you make a joke about a certain race, doesn't make you a bigot. It may, you know, it could just be funny, or maybe it could be not funny. But doesn't either way. It doesn't make you a bad, bad person necessarily. So I think it's like, yeah, we're basically becoming the new tolerant ones. We're the new liberals in a way. Like the conservative movement is made up of classical liberals, centrists, libertarians, conservatives, Republicans. They were so tolerant that we're taking people in that aren't even conservatives at this point. So it's like I think as like we kind of see like the tornado and the disaster of the left policy and how they go about things kind of happening now and it's just a matter of us creating um like an appealing culture for them to kind of you know break away and go into it we have to kind of be we kind of have to like be the cool kids in a way so like when the guy gets kicked out like kevin hart gets kicked out it's like hey kevin hart like come do comedy for us we're not going to judge you we don't care about the things you said 10 years ago on twitter we think you're a funny guy we want to hear your stuff i think that's going to be happening more and more and as long as we can offer a nice platform and a in a cool community to be a part of i think we won't have a problem picking up these people that get kind of like disenfranchised you know it's funny you said that because i i think that you're 100 percent correct and when you said it's you know classical liberals conservatives uh libertarians republicans i actually think that trump changed a lot in the political landscape right so so Trump came in, he changed it, he made it a different party. But I think what's going to happen is you're going to see like the classical liberals and the libertarians and the younger conservatives who are much more much more uh, socially liberal on things. They're going to like I think it's just going to take over the Repu Republican party. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. Because I don't think it I don't think it's the same party. I think there's like millennials and younger who are like what we're talking about, the people that watch your videos, the people that listen to Jordan Peterson and, and Dave Rubin and that you know, are involved with Turning Point, those people are like millennials and younger. And then you have the older people like our parents, you know, uh, the baby boomers and such. And they're not the same people. You know, like I don't – my dad doesn't agree with a lot of things that I say, you know, and he's, he's more conservative. 
But he's, you know, like, for instance, marijuana. He's like, oh, no, you can't smoke marijuana. That's the devil's lettuce, you know? And I'm like, Dad, <laughs> I'm like, Dad nobody cares if he smokes weed. Like, who cares? Like, nobody cares. Like, if you want to smoke weed, let him smoke weed. It's not my business. They're an adult. This is a free country, right? Like, yeah. what? You know? So, and I think that's what's going to happen. Rebrand, yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. I think the younger people are going to just take it over just because we're only voting for Trump because Trump is different. You know, I don't think... If Trump doesn't win the nomination, Hillary wins. I mean, I don't think that anybody even disputes that. Like, 100%. Ted Cruz wasn't getting that kind of turnout because I think it was much younger than people thought. The people that voted for Trump was a much younger crowd than people thought. So the people that didn't really necessarily agree with Hillary who were younger, they might not have just went and not voted. They're not going to go vote for, you know, Marco Rubio or, you know, Ted Cruz. So it should be interesting to think. I, I, I think Trump wins 2020, but I want, I'm interested to see who kind of, like, tries to take over after that. And it should be a... You know? Yeah, it's interesting too because like the like we rebranded the Republican Party basically with Trump, and the left tried to do that too with Bernie, but like yeah. they went anti-establishment, but the establishment still at the end of the day like got the final shot and stole it from him. Oh yeah, and with the super delegates and all the money. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it would have been interesting if it was Bernie versus Trump, but I think these anti-establishment people. They're like we're fixing the problem with politics, and the same with AOC, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. As much as we don't like her, she got elected without big corporate donations. She got elected basically through social media and like from knocking on doors, which is like a and cool I give her credit. Thing. Like, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I give her credit. I'm all for no big donors. I'm all for it. I mean, I, it's like, I yeah, it's like, it's like social media almost like solved the problem of big money in politics by saying, hey, if you get popular enough with your message. You don't need hundreds of tens of millions of dollars. You can just kind of go out there and get it done. And it's like it's good because we did have a problem with like too much money in politics. So I think that's like a good first step to like a good precedent going forward where it's like, oh, you don't need necessarily to be a millionaire or billionaire. You can kind of just have a message. If people agree with it, they'll see it and they'll get behind you. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent with that, because the problem with all this money that they had in there and I agree with AOC on that. This it's it's too much. Like, you needed billionaire, million, or multi-millionaire, billionaire donors to get elected, big businesses and stuff like that. It was just a reality because if you didn't do it, the other guy was gonna do it. But then you know, then you're in a pickle. Like you're you want to be morally on the high ground and say, oh, I'm not gonna do any favors for them. But if you don't, then they're not gonna give you more money for a re-election, and it's a you know, it's a vicious cycle. And I I commend her for doing that. I think it's great that she did that. I mean, I think she has some benefit of the district she was in. Like, she wasn't going to, you know, there was nobody even running against her, you know? So, yeah. Uh, but on the same token, she does have terrible ideas. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, so, it's like, it's great. And she has a great model for doing it, but just everything she says is kind of the worst. But <laughs> actually, but she is not the dumbest. I, I, yeah, she's not. Hank, I agree. Hank Johnson has got to be the dumbest congressman. That we have. It is not. He thought an island was going to capsize. And yeah, then the statements that he made that I won't even repeat uh, recently <laughs> about Trump supporters. I mean, come on. I mean, how about that? The island, if you at least say if you move people to one side, it might flip over. And yeah. everyone's like, he's like, would it capsize if we had too many people on one side? And they're looking at him like, what are you? It's an island. It's not a boat. <laughs> <laughs> people next to him is like, Cut his mic <laughs> off quick. Where's the button? <laughs> like, who yeah. who thinks an yeah. island is going to capsize? I, 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 I mean, Jesus. How does he get elected? That's what I want to know. Who votes That's for this guy? 
Yeah, that's scary. Oh, Anybody can get elected. Oh, my Lord. How do you recover from that? It's like, at that point, it's like, turn your card in, turn your badge in, dude. Like, you're done. But the thing is, he got reelected <laughs> after that statement. So, like, who, whoever that he must have run, like, uncontested or something because if I was running against him, I would literally just run that on a loop on everything, everywhere. Yeah. I'd be like, your congressman thinks an island can capsize. And then, like, anybody over the age of, like, nine knows that that's not possible. <laughs> so... <laughs> crazy too it's like it's not like he misspoke or he like confused million for billion like he no. he just and he kept going it wasn't like just one time work the whole time yeah he was uh. like he was like so is it 27 miles across at the the narrowest and they're like uh we don't know it's a small island like yes it's small okay move on what aren't you worried it'll capsize and everybody's looking at him like what are you what are you yeah capsize no, no, no. So at least, <laughs> no, at, least at least AOC is not the dumbest. Yeah, she's not the she's dumbest. Not the dumbest. She has, uh, you know, she has some issues when it comes to like how she describes things, but that's okay. I don't, I don't dock her for that. I think a no. mistake would be treating her like she's an idiot because that's what they did to Trump, and it really came back to backfire on them. Yeah. So we kind of have to like learn from that mistake they made two years ago. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, she says things that are just factually inaccurate. But the problem is, just like her 60 Minutes interview, she thinks that's okay as long as she's fighting for a moral high ground, which is what and I don't and I think actually the policies that she's advocating for are not the moral high ground. But it, that's a dangerous way to think about it. It's a dangerous that's way like to what say we see in the protest culture too. The same exact mindset. It's like, yeah, I don't know all about guns, but I know I'm here for the right reasons because guns are bad. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's dangerous. Kinda. That's dangerous. It's dangerous when you don't really know what you're talking about, but you think that because you're doing it for a good reason that that's all that matters. I mean, that's that's dangerous. Very dangerous. Let me ask you this. Very. Since you started posting these videos, have you ever had people reach out to you or come up to you and say, hey, listen, because of your videos, I left the left? Yes, a lot of those. A lot? Those are my favorite. Those are my favorite. But I do get, I get like those probably weekly where really? it's like, hey, like I didn't really pay attention to politics. I saw your videos and they were hilarious and I kind of looked into it and like these people are crazy and I didn't even realize Trump was doing all these good things. Um, I get a ton of those. I've never, I've gotten a couple from people who I've interviewed where they're like, hey, I looked into the thing you were talking about and I realized, you know, you were right on some points. I haven't had a full conversion from one of those people, but I get tons of messages from people who just kind of didn't participate in politics, who didn't really pay attention. And they're like, hey, I didn't really care about politics, but I started watching your videos and I started looking into it, and now I'm a Trump supporter. So I do get a lot of those. And it's, like the, it's the most rewarding thing because it's like, it's great to entertain the right. I love doing that. I'm glad they enjoy it. But it's really something else to take someone from the left and bring them on the right. Because it's like, you know, we, they lose a vote, we gain a vote. Mm -hmm. So those are like my favorite types of like conversion what about, stories. What about your lefty friends that you initially went there with? Um, I've talked to a couple of them now. But out of like my group of like 10 friends, I'm probably friends with like one or two of them at this point. <sighs> so most of them kind of just like fell off. But, we, you know, I ended up moving a couple of times. They moved to in L.A., kind of all over the city. So I just don't see him as much. And then I started doing these videos. So kind of like a series of events that led me not to really be friends with them anymore. There's no hard feelings, but 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if we sat down and talked, I would, I, I, would be, I would love that. I would love to defend my views and have them challenge me on things I've said. But they don't really like to do that. They, they, like you said before, they think they're from like a morally high place. So they're like, you know, yeah, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a white privileged male, whatever. I'm educated. I went to college. I know what's going on. I know Trump's a bad guy. He's a fascist, and I don't really want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like. I get a lot of that. People don't really want to engage, but they pretend it's because they're like morally superior, but realistically it's kind of because they don't know if they could defend their, their, their views. Oh, well, I mean, I get that from friends of mine all the time. I had a friend of mine, a black guy I went to high school with. He's, he's like, oh, he's like, you're just racist. And I said, listen, I'm not going to say his name, but I said, listen. I was like, dude, you never said I was racist when we were playing pickup games in high school, you know? Like when yeah. we were sitting in the lunchroom and we're all just chopping it up, joking, laughing, having a good time. I was never racist then. I was like, you know, I'm not racist. Like, you know that that's a false statement, but you can't defend your point. So your default is that it's to call me racist. Exactly. And that's, that's the common theme we see. It's like with Trump and the wall, instead of having them, the left sit down and say like, all right, tell us why you're against the wall. Tell us that walls don't work. Show us your stats. We have ICE and border agents telling us walls do work. Tell us your side. Instead of doing that and then going back and forth and actually debating it out and getting to like a common solution, they just want to attack the reason we want the wall. Oh, they want the wall to keep brown people out. <laughs> like Don Lemon the other day on CNN was like, oh, Trump's project, the wall, is just to keep out immigrants. So they're not even like they're not even saying illegal immigrants or undocumented people to keep out immigrants. So now they've completely conflated immigrant and illegal immigrant. And now if you're for the wall, it's because you're scared of like browning America. Meanwhile, how many people from Latin America have we taken in the last 40 years? It's like most of our immigration is from there. So mm-hmm. like, are we scared of it or is there an actual problem that needs to get dealt with? They don't want to have that discussion. They just want to say, oh, you're doing it because you're a bigot or you're scared of change and you're racist. And it's like, yeah. cool, you don't engage racist, so I guess this debate's not going to happen. And that's yeah. kind of where it ends most of the time. Well, I'm, yeah, it's a default for them. And it's just an easy victim card that you know people like to play. It, quick story, I think I told you already, right? You know that I'm a um, police officer, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, so one time I had an encounter with a Mexican man. And... He says, you're just stopping me because I'm Mexican. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, you just don't like Mexicans. You know, you're one of those racist guys or whatever he's saying, you know. So my partner literally starts laughing out loud, like just laughing at him. And he's like, he's like, you think that's funny? And he says, yeah, his kids are Mexican. And then the guy looks at him and he goes. And he just shut up. Yeah. And they say another word. You know, but it's the default that they it. have. It's the default. The default is, well, you, it's because I'm this or because I'm that. And it's, that's another thing that's scary. Like you, when you can't debate the facts of something, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a scary place. And <clears throat> they take the moral high ground. Like we were talking about earlier of, well, we need to let these people in because it's bad in Mexico and it's better here or it's bad in Guatemala or, or, you know, Venezuela or wherever it is, it's bad. And we need to help those people by letting them in. That's fine. I agree that we should help some people. But I think we should help people from everywhere. There's people in Africa Mm -hmm. who are exponentially poorer than people in Central and South America. Maybe Venezuela is the exclusion there. But every other country, the people in Africa, for the most part, are exponentially poorer than anybody in Central America. 
So yeah. So I mean, why, the world why are you discriminating like, against them? You know, less than a couple of dollars a day. Yeah, why are you discriminating against the people in the rest of the world that want to come here? But just because they have a geographical advantage that they can walk, I think it should be fair for everybody in the world should have an even playing field. And I think that we should increase our immigration. I really do. I think it should be uh, based on, on some kind of a merit and that they need to show that they want to do something and maybe give them like a year or two to show progress. You know, like you can't just come here and not do anything. Like you have to get a job and, you know, maybe have some steps of, of you know, goals that they have to hit. You know what I mean? As far as maybe mm -hmm. some educational things or work-related things or something like that. So they have to show they're trying to be, you know, productive citizen and then let them stay. And I think we should maybe increase it. You know, I'm no expert on the topic, but I definitely think that it should be fair for everybody in the world and not just for people who have a geographical advantage who can walk. Yeah, that's, I, I totally agree with that. And yeah, it's almost like ge geogra geographic -ist. I don't know. It's like <laughs> it's some kind like of an ist. A, it's an ist. <laughs> we should create an ism, geographicism. <laughs> But it's like, yeah, just because someone's like close and they can cross the fence and hop the hop the border, it's like now we have to give them. What if someone wants to come in, like you said, from Africa? Like I think half the world makes just like a couple dollars a day or less. Yeah. So yeah. it's like there's, you know, and it's just like we can't. That's like billions of people. Like we can't solve global poverty with immigration. So we kind of have to like pick our people who are going to help. But also keep in mind, if we go to a certain country and take a couple thousand of their highest performing people. Um, who are able to make it, them, you know, fend for themselves in the U.S. and create a business or something. You're, you're hurting that country. Taking, yeah, you're taking like a thousand like industry makers or potential industry makers away from that country. So while it maybe helps us, it's good. We have to kind of find a way to help people where they live and make coming to America less of a priority for a lot of these countries. Um, which is hard to do with like the economy doing really well and all these jobs because everyone's like you know probably salivating at that, but we do need to really crack down. And I think that's why the wall is a good idea. Everyone thinks it's stupid, doesn't work. It's like oh, it's our system now doesn't work. We gave amnesty in the '80s with Reagan, and it didn't get better. It didn't solve the problem. Nope. So even if a wall doesn't work, at least we're trying something different. Because what it is now, that doesn't work. We know that for sure. O basically, an open border and a welfare system hand-in-hand hand, it's not not a good idea you can't so, have both you can't i think the wall will i think the wall will do do wonders you're right i mean i don't want to get into a rabbit hole because we can talk about this forever i'm sure because you can't have both open borders and a welfare system you know the socialist people want to talk about the welfare state in uh in, in the netherlands and um you know the nordic countries but they have almost zero immigration they don't let people in yeah you know, your you immigration is like a few million people yeah, you can't have both. So And it's also like kind of failing those systems too. It's like Oh it is, it is. There's it not is. enough young people to, to fulfill the the obligations that the old people have, like with social with the social uh, security nets and like all those programs they have. So it's like it seems like it works, but only because a lot of those countries it was like social programs added on to a successful capitalistic country and now in the next like few years you'll see it kind of start to crumble. Because it's not sustainable. No, it's not. They, I mean, they've already started changing. And you look at, just look at ours, our Social Security. I don't think Social Security is going to be around where I'm here. If I could opt out of Social Security and be like, listen, this is cool. Don't take my money. And then you don't owe me anything. I would do it because it's not going to be here. It's completely mismanaged. Yeah. And if, if there's a way to opt out of it, I would do it. But they don't. You know, Of course, they force you to do it. And that's somehow or another not theft or robbery because it's 
with threat yeah, of violence. Yeah, I would do that too. Like, I would just be like, yeah, don't you don't have to give me anything. Like yeah. sixty, whatever. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my dad just started collecting. He gets like nothing. You know what I mean? I'm like, there's no way. Like, I don't even know if you'll ever see the money you put in back. If you would have taken kind of like a Ponzi scheme, basically. It is. Well, because it's a Ponzi scheme that is they use the money in the Social Security account to pay for other things in the government. It's, it is a Ponzi scheme, but I guess it's legal because the federal government does it. It's, yeah, uh, interesting. It's, it's it's scary, you know. It that and Medicaid. And if we got into the Ponzi scheme at this point, I don't think we're getting out of it. I think we're the last few in, and they're like, "Sorry, like your money's gone. It was all a scam." Sorry. Yeah, I mean, that, I I don't know. I there was some numbers I saw recently, but it's not that far away. And they're like, yeah, it's good. we're gonna run out of money. And I, I, what are they gonna do? You know, because the the baby boomers there's so many of them that that's the problem. There's so many baby boomers, and they're collecting a lot of money that was, if it had been managed properly, I think it would have been fine. But it wasn't managed properly, and they kept borrowing against it, and they were gonna pay it back. <laughs> you know, of course, borrowing the government, against it. Like, yeah, guys, the, the government. Don't. Yeah, exactly. Just like I saw Rand Paul put a tweet up that we're that we're giving foreign aid to China. Are you fucking kidding me? China needs foreign aid. Oh, my Lord. Does do we give yeah, every country I, foreign aid? What countries don't get foreign aid? How about that? Can we start with that? Like what country do we not give foreign aid to? I don't understand. I, I honestly I don't think I can even probably name one. It's like I think we give foreign aid to like over 100 countries. How in the, how could you even fathom? giving foreign aid to a country that you borrow money from i don't even under i can't comprehend it wow that'd be like hey that's yeah that's i'm like hey austin socialism right there that'd be like austin like redistribution of wealth yeah that'd be like me asking you hey can i borrow 100 bucks and you're like yeah no problem i'll give it to you a 10 percent interest and then you're like i'm like all right by the way i'm just gonna give you ten dollars yeah, it doesn't count off my tab. But it doesn't come off my tab. Yeah. Here's ten bucks, but let me borrow a hundred and interest, and I'll pay the interest. No worries. But this ten bucks, you could just have it. Like, who would do that? I'm like, how about yeah, you just exactly. borrow ninety? Like, <laughs> we're giving billions and billions and billions away, and then it's like, oh, we want five billion for the wall, and the Democrats won't budge on it. But then we give ten billion away to Latin American countries for their own security, and it's like. It makes Why? no sense. Why? It makes no sense whatsoever. Wow. No sense. Anyways, thank you for being on. Everybody, make sure you go follow Austin, a.k.a. Fleckus Talks, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Do you want to let them know how, you, how they can do that and how they can support you? Yep. Uh, at Fleckus, F-L-E-C-C-A-S, is uh, Twitter and Instagram. And then Fleckus Talks, F-L-E-C-C-A-S, Talks on YouTube and Facebook. So those are my main four. I also have a Patreon. If you guys are interested in supporting me on that, patreon.com slash Fleckus. Um, and yeah, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. I'm what about the merch? Responsive. The merchandise? Oh, what about your merchandise? And I got merch too. Yeah, there you go. Um, Don't forget. Yep, it's, uh, it's on I got my your back. Instagram in the link in my bio is I got some new merch. I'm actually wearing some right now. Oh, there you go. It's fire. Look at that. It's on Fleckus fire. Thrasher. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on. It was really cool talking to you. Yes, sir. Cool. See you next time.